Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. Weeknights on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Under the Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. I'm Chris Black along with Adam Abdallah singing for Jonathan Hood tonight. You can follow us on Twitter at Adam A. Abdallah and at Chris Black. We are live from the first Midwest Bank Studios on State Street in downtown Chicago. We are here till 9 o'clock tonight. We're open for business and your phone calls at 312-332-3776. Or you can get at us on Twitter. We'll get back to you throughout the hour at 8.30. We will talk with Nate Duncan from the Dunk Don podcast. You can find that on iTunes. He's really good on the NBA. We'll talk NBA with Nate Duncan coming up at 8.30. In about 10 minutes, we have a question for you regarding the NBA. Who do you think is the best three three players in the NBA? What's your list? We'll talk about that in 10 minutes. But we start the 8 o'clock hour, Adam, with the Cubs. They lose today 6-5 to to the Reds. They blow another lead late, and clearly they need a closer. Yeah, the game started off great. You had homers from Schwarber leading off for the Cubs. You had homers from Anthony Rizzo. You had homers from Chris Bryant going back-to-back. And then, you know, Kyle Hendricks starts starts to lose it in the six. He goes six full innings. His turn comes up in the uh, in the, in the the order to bat, and so Madden goes to the uh, to to a pinch batter for him, and then you've got Brad Brock comes in. He does a decent job, goes one and two-third, gives up one earned run. Mike Montgomery comes in, can only go a third of an inning, and then Steve Ciszek, who comes in and basically gives up the home uh, the home run to Suarez, the two-run home run that changed the game, and the Cubs blew two save opportunities in the game. They're now 9-for-20 in save opportunities. Now, this isn't a Steve Ciszek thing. Steve Ciszek has been great. So far this season, he's had 11 straight shutout innings going into today, and he only has given up a uh, given up a run in three of his last 23 appearances. This happens. We're talking a more of a, a bigger problem with the Cubs that we're noticing. No lead is safe. They're scoring a bunch of runs. It's warmer now. The wind's blowing out. Everything is clicking offensively for the Cubs. Everything seems to be clicking for the most part with the pitching staff. Even you, Darvish, has started to throw a, a couple good outings together in a row. You had the rare bad outing from John Lester. He's going to have a couple of those uh, during the year, but you expect him to bounce back. Kyle Hendricks goes uh, six innings, only giving up three earned runs. He struck out nine uh, batters on 99 uh, pitches, 67% of them, or 67 of them for for strikes, and then you've got this. You've got this bullpen problem. Whether it's Pedro Strope being hurt and not being there, so Steve Ciszek has to go in again, or you've got guys coming up like Norwood who had to come up, who was just called up today. He had to finish the game out. Ultimately, they have a problem. Whether it's health or they just didn't do enough in the off season to add. And Theo Epstein has said multiple times, this is on him. He's the one that takes the blame for the bullpen. He believes that they have enough players on this team in the bullpen, whether hurt or not or not hurt, that this should be a successful bullpen with the new pitching coach and the way Madden uses relievers and everything. This should be successful. I say otherwise. I say that Tom Ricketts didn't do enough and didn't open up the pocketbook enough to spend for another quality reliever. You knew this going into the offseason. You knew this going into this season that the Bulls or the Bulls, the Cubs need a quality closer. You need that guy, Chris, that you don't have to worry about. Adam. That may that may blow 
you know, one or two saves a year, three saves a year. But ultimately, you know nine times out of ten that you can count on that guy to go in and get three outs for you if you need to. And today was a day where they needed a guy to go get three outs for him, guaranteed. You've got a, the, the lazy Friday memorial, before Memorial Day crowd. You've got not the crowd, but the, 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 the lays of an early release. The streets are, are clear. There's not a lot of traffic because everybody leaves early or takes the day off. And you've got... The Cubs giving up a lead because ultimately, I put this on Tom Ricketts more than I put this on Theo Epstein. If Theo Epstein went to Tom Ricketts and was like, I want to add a closer, and Tom Ricketts pulls his pockets out and like a cartoon and little moths come out of his pockets like he's got no money, then it's not on Theo. It's on Ricketts. These are the, you're the Chicago Cubs. Spend some money. You're not, you're not extending anybody now. So don't tell me you're saving money to extend Javier Baez and Chris Bryant. That money will be there in a couple years or next year when you do that. You need to spend now. Your window's open now. While these guys are successful, you've got guys that are locked in right now. Look at how well Anthony Rizzo's playing. Look at how well Chris Bryant's playing after getting off to a slow start. Javier Baez is having another MVP caliber season right now. And you're not going to be able to capitalize on this because the Brewers are only one game out because you can't find a guy to close games for you. It's ridiculous that they are claiming that they don't have any money to spend on a reliever. That they didn't spend on a reliever or can't spend on a reliever right now. That's Adam Abdallah. I'm Chris Bleck. The Cubs are now 29-20 and 20 in first place, up a game on the Milwaukee Brewers. Uh, they are 4-6 and six in their last 10 games, though, and they've lost two in a row. And the pesky Cincinnati Reds, who are 23-27, and 27, are in town. Uh, the Cubs are now 1-3 against the Reds this season, and they struggled against the Reds last season. Uh, let's hear from Steve Ciszek after the game in the post-game locker room. I was locked in today, it really was. Um, it's just a lack of execution. I'm not I'm not going to make any excuses. Um, you know, I felt like I could get a ground ball right there, play into his aggressiveness. Um, and I just left the middle, you know, trying to go down and away. Um, it happens, unfortunately, just bad, you know, bad timing. Um, but I'm looking forward to it tomorrow. Well, if your manager said you may have been at a half or three quarters take. I mean, does, do you at least agree with him if he put that assessment? Or? <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't have a comment on that. As far as, as, far as uh, going out there and <clears throat> throwing more than one inning, you know, the, the difference in the, uh, you know, the, the amount of innings you go out there. The, that has to be a little different for you. Um, yeah, a little bit. But, um, you know, for me, I'm always just thinking put up a zero and do it quick. Um, like I said, unfortunately, today I had the right mindset, locked in, you know, ready to go, and just the results weren't there when the team needed me. Steve, you've been in this business for a while. Is it tougher or things now than ever before? Um, in what way? You're used more, right? Yeah, you know, I've been used quite a bit. I mean, me personally, I've been used, I feel like, a lot throughout my career. You know, just with my style, people, you know, assume that, you know, because of the way I throw, I, I'm, I tend to be able to have a rubber arm and stuff. And to some degree, it's true. But, you know, at, at the same time, like, I got to go out there every day with the same mentality and just go with what I got. Um, you know, like I said, today wasn't wasn't my best. But that's you, generally speaking, though. You see that as bullpens or you know, guys are going out there that are being used. More starters are going less. I mean, if I'm being honest, I, I feel like I've seen it throughout my whole career. I remember the Atlanta Braves guys went out there routinely, a 7-8-9 guy when I first came up, Venners, O'Flaherty, Kimbrell, um, you know, the Royals had guys like that, you know. I mean, I feel like it's kind of the trend, you know. You know, they, you rely, you know, it's a good thing, you know, our manager trusts us in those big situations, so... Um, 
Yeah, you know, if you're going out there a lot, it can actually be a good thing. I feel like. Who was the pitch he hit out? Isaac? It was a sinker. Two seamer down. Supposed to be down away, and who knows where it ended up right into his barrel. So. That's Steve Ciszek right there in the postgame locker room after the game. I'm Chris Black with Adam Abdallah here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Abdallah, I disagree with you. And if you want to join the conversation at 312-332-3776 or talking Cubs baseball with you, uh, the lack of a closer on the roster I think is 100% on Theo Epstein. I think because of the argument you laid out there about Ricketts and the money and Theo and Theo taking responsibility, it goes right back to Theo. Because he had the opportunity to fix this problem in the offseason. He said it's on him. It is on him. If Theo found a closer, then we wouldn't be in this situation with the Cubs. I get it. You're in first place. Chicago Cubs baseball, first place right now. I understand that. But you shouldn't be losing games like you lost today. And that's what's frustrating because this is exactly how we got into the situation last fall with the Cubs being bounced from the playoffs because they weren't good enough to get past the wild card game because they let games like today slide. But I would never say that Theo Epstein is the kind of guy that would say, would throw his owner under the bus. He's never going to do that. So we don't know if he went to Theo and said, or if he went to uh, Tom Ricketts and do you, said... Do you think, I, before you finish, do you think if Theo wanted something, he would be denied? I honestly don't know. I don't think he's the type of guy that would just allow that to happen. I, don't I, you think he's the type of guy that would get something done no matter how it, how it needs to be done? You're dealing with with businessmen. You're not dealing with a guy guys who they're running the Cubs like a business. If they they we already spent. We spent on Darvish, we spent on Hayward, we spent on Lester, we spent. We're going to spend in the future. We've got to spend on Bryant. We've got to spend on Javi. We might have to spend on Rizzo. We might have to spend on all these guys. Guys are coming up. We have to spend. We have to spend in all these arbitration things. I gotta rebuild a ballpark over here. I gotta, I gotta redo this thing. I gotta build all this stuff. I gotta put in bleachers here. I gotta gotta do a TV stuff here. I gotta get rid of bleachers because what they're doing is they're trying to expand the concourse area back there. So I'm actually getting rid of seats. I gotta build a network. You know how much it costs to build a network? You know how much it costs to start Netflix? You know how much it costs to start Netflix? Well, they're not gonna be Netflix. I'll tell you that much. Do you know how much it's, it's, takes to start amazon prime and to answer your question about netflix they're spending like a billion dollars you know how much it it takes to start crackle Uh, a lot i would assume you gotta buy all those seinfeld episodes yeah okay for the time being for the time being yeah my point is this he goes you know what i'm spending i'm spending i'm spending you know what i'm not spending on a reliever you've got enough relievers you wanted a new i'm i had to pay a pitching coach to leave i had to pay a hitting coach to leave i had to hire a new pitching coach i had to hire a new hitting coach i got to extend madden maybe maybe not who knows no, I'm not spending on a reliever. Make it work, Theo. You, know, you may you work your magic, Theo. Work your magic, and that's I, that's what I imagine him saying. And that's why uh, talking and following the Chicago Cubs, uh, it's so interesting to me this whole situation because there is a part where you think the Ricketts family, Tom Ricketts, sitting in the in the stadium, right, meeting his wife, the whole story, them buying the team, getting them to a championship, right, storybook. Mm-hmm. But then there's also part of me that's like, I wonder if they're good with just the championship they got. And now it's like, let's take a look at the finances. Now let's, let's look at business. Let's I make gotta- sure that everything's in line because we're not going to go overboard. We're not the Yankees. We're not the Red Sox. Heck, we're not the Dodgers, right? We're not going to be like them. We're going to be close. You know, uh, David Kaplan hosts here 9 to noon each and every day. And whenever I bring up the money and spending, he always comes back to me as they have like the second highest payroll in baseball. Acknowledge. I will acknowledge it. Yes, they do. 
Still not good enough, right? It's they not. St- still are missing a closer. They could spend a little bit more to finish the team, to complete everything they have. And that's why it's interesting. You get the championship, and then is the feel-good story of Ricketts in the stands, meeting his wife, buying the ball club, getting the championship, 108 years. It, it, does that turn into, well, now we're a business. Business plan. Now, now we got to figure this out. You had all the money to get it done. Mm-hmm. That was then. Mm-hmm. This is now. You it's traded. a different way of doing this. You sacrificed a lot to get Chapman that year. You sacrificed a lot to get a, to get a lot of players. And what happens now is now that they have the ring, now that the the little the little sign that has the countdown between how many days they've won World Series is a lot lower because it's only been a few years. Now he can be the owner that brought the the championship to Chicago to the Cubs and change the curse and all that kind of stuff. And now, guess what? Now we're building stuff now i gotta now i got now i need a return on my investment that's what i need you live in the area you live in lakeview you live very close to wrigleyville are, are you happy with the uh Listen, the way the neighborhood has uh completely i love changed? having a big star i love having a smoke daddy i love having all the stuff and the yeah. renovations that they've done you know what i also like what about the grit and the grind of the old wrigleyville I that need, i used to live in no, i don't need that when you and i lived in wrigleyville for six years uh, back in our early 20s, that was fun. It is completely different it's, now. It, it's better now. I'm it's not better. saying it's not it's fun. Better. I'm just saying it, it's a different feel. I would say There's this, There's a Chris, bit of character that is no longer in the neighborhood. I would say this, Chris. It has grown as we have grown. Back when we were yeah. in our 20s, sure. The dive bar with puke-soaked floors, that was fun. What's wrong with dollar beers? Nothing. When I'm 20, one, two, three, nothing. Nothing. Now that I'm 34... I don't need that in my life anymore. Now you got a movie theater in Prime Rib across yeah, the across the way. And Big Star. I don't need that. I, I don't need to pay a dollar for, beer, for for dollar beers. I can I can spend on a cocktail if I need to. Let's switch to this. Chris Block and Am Abdallah here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. I'm watching the Eastern Conference Finals last night, and I think there's something that's um, kind of uh, stuck out to me is the fact that in the last two years, it's been Kawhi Leonard's bizarro two years. Right Last year, Kawhi Leonard was kind of missing from the basketball conversation. He was hurt, and then he was healthy, and then he was being hidden from the Spurs organization and working out in New York by himself with his guys, but he, quote, wasn't healthy enough to help the team, right? Mm-hmm. And then trade demands, and then he's not going to sign here, and then he gets traded in the offseason. But basically, last year, Kawhi Leonard wasn't a part of any of the discussions for best player in the league, MVP, can this guy win a championship with this squad? He wasn't a part of it because he wasn't playing. He was missing. And then this year, year two of Kawhi's bizarro trip in the NBA, is now he's with a team that can sign him in the future. He's with a team that is winning. He's with a team that is going to try everything they can to convince him to stay, to be a power in the Eastern Conference. But there's no guarantee. There's no guarantee at all. Kawhi Leonard, for all intents and purposes, whatever happens with the Raptors in the next two weeks, whatever happens in the finals, he could still win a championship and say, I'm going to L.A. I'm going to the Clippers. Why? Because I'm from L.A. That's where I grew up. That's where I want to be. And I've won championships elsewhere, so I don't have some kind of nostalgic, I have to stay here because this is the team that brought me up. He already left the Spurs, Mm -hmm. so why wouldn't he leave Toronto? It's weird because he's arguably the best player in the sport. He didn't play last season. He was injured. He was worried about his future. Now you have the rumors with the Clippers. 
Now you hear that LeBron reached out as much as this week. LeBron James reached out and talked to Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi's in the Eastern Conference Finals. He's taking calls with LeBron. It's illegal, but you can you can text the boy. What's up? It's not illegal if a player does it. You can, you and can that's the up. difference with LeBron James and Kawhi Leonard. Here's Brian Windhorst on PTI yesterday talking about that. How would LeBron feel? Having gotten sick and tired of Kyrie once before and not all that long ago, how would he feel? Would he want to play with Kyrie again? Well, Michael, have you seen the Lakers roster at the moment? I don't think (laughs) LeBron's in position to be too picky. He has been, from what I understand, he has already begun the recruiting process. Um, He is, I've heard he has had contact with Kawhi Leonard. I've heard he's had contact with Jimmy Butler. Uh, there's no tampering enforcement by players. And while Magic Johnson, the, uh, the guy who got in trouble for tampering before, is no longer there, LeBron is tamperer-in-chief of the Lakers right now. The thing about it is, is I don't know if, you know, texts and calls and maybe a dinner with LeBron is enough for the Lakers to overcome their hurdles that they're going to have. And so I just don't think the Lakers can be choosy. In fact, to be honest with you guys, I think the Lakers really have to look at the trade market. Okay, so there, LeBron James, Brian Windhorst, saying on PTI yesterday that LeBron has reached out to Kawhi Leonard and to Jimmy Butler. So Jimmy Butler and Kawhi Leonard, Kawhi Leonard in the last two years, it's been weird for him, right? If he takes the Raptors to the finals, he will prove that he's one of the best in the game, mm-hmm. if not the best. And I think he is proving right now that he should always be in the conversation, no matter how weird the last two years have been, He should always be in the conversation for best player in the league. So if I ask you, Adam, if you had to come up with who are your three best players in the NBA today, Hmm. what would you put on that list? Because, Hmm. and we'll take your calls at 312-332-3776. You can also tweet us at Chris Black and at Adam A. Abdallah. Uh, So here we go. I would put Kevin Durant one. Hmm. I think nothing has changed from what we see, uh, what we last saw him of. He is great. He's the best player in the world. And the the Warriors can also be great without him. But he is also the best player in the world. He is by far, I think, number one on my list. Number two, I would put Kawhi Leonard. Because I think the, th- the key with Kawhi is he has patience on his side. And he re- can I give you a movie reference for this? Uh, Kawhi reminds me of T-1000 from Terminator 2. Mm-hmm. If you've never seen the movie, Terminator... Arnold Schwarzenegger goes to the future to try and save John Connor. And when he goes to the future, T-1000 is a Terminator that is like made out of uh, liquid uh, metal that is methodical. Time out. Can't. What? what? Time out. Who needs Terminator explained to them? Listen, there's a lot of people listening. I don't, I don't know why you got a problem Who with do that. You, they've, they've redone the franchise like three times. Every generation has had their own Terminator. Dude, it's how an do old you movie. Need, how, it is an old movie, but they've redone it so many times now. They just put out a trailer for an, another sequel. Yeah. Who needs Terminator ex- explained to them? I'm just letting people know if they haven't seen Judgment Day T2 to understand that T-1000 was this methodical terminator that couldn't be stopped for 99 percent of the movie until he finally is killed off by arnold and and he reminds me of Kawhi. Kawhi in the eastern conference finals has made every right move 
has taken his time. Mm-hmm. He gets to his spot. Mm-hmm. He's never deterred. And that's what Kawhi Leonard has been in the Eastern Conference Finals. I don't know why you have a problem with the fact that I'm just trying to explain something to a radio audience to make sure everyone in the listening like audience everybody understands knows what, what we're talking is. about. I feel like everybody knows the Terminator is. So Kawhi Leonard would be number two. Okay. Number three on my list, okay. I'll give you LeBron James. Wow. LeBron James is still in the top three of players. And just because he missed the playoffs, just because it was a down year, just because LeBron's on the third all-NBA team for the first time in his career. Remember, Michael was never a third all-NBA player. Uh, he is still the third best player in the league. Now, some other options that you could throw on the list. Giannis Antetokounmpo, Steph Curry, James Harden, Anthony Davis. I'm sure there are a couple more that I'm leaving out. Who would you place in your top three? In my top three? Yeah. My top three right now. Uh, I have number one right now, Steph Curry. I think Steph Curry... To me, I know not so much defensively because he relies on a lot of the def- defense from Draymond and Clay Thompson and Iguodala and all those guys. But to me, a dude that can change a game no matter what and a dude that is the best of his generation at his skill, he cha- the guy who has changed the way basketball is played, to me is still the, num- the best player in the league. I would take him. Steph Curry is my number one player in the league. And then I basically fall in line with you. I have Durant two, I have Kawhi three, and then I put Giannis four and LeBron five. See, the thing with Steph, though, is I don't disagree that, that he is important. And I think I've said it multiple times. He's the most important player in the league because when he's rolling, no one can stop him. Mm-hmm. He does have some limitations, and you don't see those limitations kind of show because... He is surrounded by so much talent. And that's why I think I would still place Durant, Kawhi, LeBron ahead of him because they're so much better on the defensive end of the, the, the game than Steph is. And that's Look, why if, I wouldn't if you're put him in my top me, three. If you're asking me for best two-way player, he's not on the list. But but, but basketball is a two-way sport. That's I, the thing I, I never understand. Is, is I no one it. plays basketball and plays one end of the floor. I understand The dude that. at the YMCA playing one end of the floor isn't on your team the next time because you're not picking him. you got to play both that. ends. But Steph Curry is different. Steph Curry is the guy that, comp- that can go over in the first half and take over in the second half and put up 33 and win a game by himself. Durant can't do that? Did I'm, you see Kawhi last night? Did you see Kawhi in, in game four? But I'm saying that, that Steph does it with such a skill and precision better than anybody else. And it's not just a gimmick that he can shoot threes from any. The dude can shoot from anywhere on the court and make it. He is to me, he's, and he's got, he's got handles. He can drive. He's a, he's good at, uh, at dishing it out and at making his teammates better too, at drawing people to him. I think to me, he's the best player right now. Who's on your top three? Let's go to BJ in Rogers Park. He called 312-332-3776. What's up, BJ? Hey, how's it going? What's up, man? Who's on your top three? Well, I got to agree with you. I definitely got Kevin Durant, number one. I've got Kawhi, two, and I'm going with Steph, three. LeBron didn't make the playoffs. I can't have him on my top three. But you know he's still the third best player in the league. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. But this year, I mean, I can't go with it. But I also wanted to comment. I like your T2 comment because it's one of my favorite movies in the lot. And I personally have two friends who've never seen Terminator 1 or 2, and I'm trying to get them to watch it. We'll do that this weekend, BJ, because they're it's fantastic movies. A Have a uh, a robot movie marathon because they You've are technically that. robots, uh, the Terminators, that, yeah. and uh, enjoy it.
Yeah. I think you can keep LeBron out of the top three. I think even if I were to change this and go well, Durant, Kawhi, Steph, I think you can keep LeBron out. I, I think it's uh, nearsighted. I, I think you're not uh, projecting out to the future because what if LeBron comes back next season and is back to doing what he usually does? Then everyone's going to be like, oh, here comes the return of LeBron. No, he didn't really leave. He just wasn't in he the playoffs. Leave. He wasn't so with he, us this he year. left your frame of reference. He was, this is his baseball year. No, it's his Space Jam year. That's what it is. So next year will be a Space Jam year, too, because he's spending all summer filming that BS. That's Adam Abdallah. I'm Chris Black. Nate Duncan on the Dunked On Podcast talking NBA with us next. Chris Black and Adam Abdallah on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. Weeknights on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Best team in the league, man. We're not going to fall. We're going to go and go and give everything we got. We're not going to go there. And uh, even they said, you know, they said a great tone and uh, they come out and hit us in the mouth first. We, we can't fold. You know, we're going to come back to Milwaukee being pissed. Like, you cannot fold. You got to go out there and give everything you got. If we lose, we lose. Okay, cool. But we're not going to fold as a team. And that's not what we do. That's Giannis. I'm Chris Black with Adam Abdallah here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Sitting in for Jonathan Hood tonight. You can follow us on Twitter at Adam A. Abdallah and at Chris Black. Live from the First Midwest Bank Studios on State Street in downtown Chicago. You know, we hear Giannis right there. Game 6 tomorrow night right here on ESPN 1000, 730. Every game of the Eastern Conference Finals and the NBA Finals you can hear right here on ESPN 1000. Giannis, gimmick great he's gonna win the mvp and he's athletically better than everyone else in the league but his basketball skill has he turned into a great basketball player yet or is he just a a a freak gimmick who can take one step from the three-point line do a euro step and get all the way to the rim like stretch armstrong well you also have to wonder what the raptors have done to make him uncomfortable now that they they have kind of set the formula what other teams will do if Milwaukee can't add anything around him what they'll do to try to replicate that and see if if he can adapt in the offseason if should they lose game six to his game and try to adapt somehow to try to beat what the Raptors have been able to do against him let's talk with Nate Duncan you can listen to the dunked on podcast on iTunes you can follow Nate on Twitter at Nate Duncan NBA Nate it's Chris and Adam how are you tonight hey doing great guys always glad to be back on the hometown station Nate uh, when you take a look at Giannis are you surprised at the way he struggled over the last couple of games and the way the Raptors have defended him on uh, defense I won't say I'm surprised by it because he is a very reliant on transition, as you guys were alluding to before I came on. And this Raptors defense, I think it says more about them than it says about the flaws of the Bucks. frankly. I think people have really, really underrated the Raptors, particularly their defense all year. That's why I picked them in the series. I felt like a fool after the first two games for doing that because it looked like they couldn't score. But I mean, look at the talent that they have. Kawhi Leonard is maybe the best individual defender on the wing of this era, Marcus Gasol, former defensive player of the year. Siakam is probably going to make an all-defense team at some point in his career. Lowry is, is the league leader in charges every year. Danny Green is an awesome defensive player. Ibaka has made an all-defensive team. Van Vliet is really under. I mean, they, not only do they have a bunch of talent, but they don't have any weak links in their eight-man rotation defensively. And I think the Raptors just need to get more credit for what they've done defensively. Yeah, you could say maybe Giannis is not quite skilled enough yet with the jump shot to take advantage of the way he's being defended. 
but a lot of that comes down to his teammates making shots as well. So I, I think it says more about the Raptors than that Giannis is like somehow a fraud or not as good as we thought. As we look to the offseason, obviously nobody knows where Kawhi is going to go. He may go out west. We don't know about Durant or Kyrie or any of this kind of stuff. But ultimately, what can the Bucks do with, of, to put around their one superstar who they have and need to build around and try to make another run at this should the East kind of ease up a little bit if Kawhi leaves and who knows where Durant and Kyrie end up? Yeah, well, they have doubled down very much around Giannis, and they, they made some moves in the last couple of years to where they're not really going to have a ton of flexibility. Bringing this team back is what the best they can really hope to do. If they let all of their free agents go, remember their other four starters, or three of their other starters outside of Giannis and Bledsoe are free agents this offseason, as is Miritich. Uh, if they let all those guys go, they might have about $30 million in space to build around Giannis, and you're going to need three starters. So that's not really going to work. Their only option really is to try to re-sign these guys at market rate. They also are out two draft picks in the future. One they traded for Eric Bledsoe, another one they traded for George Hill, and also to get off of some bad money to enable them to sign these guys and have it not be too expensive this offseason. So I think they're really going to have to be pretty much focused here on bringing these guys back and internal improvement, and they have a pretty young roster, so that's not out of the question, but they are a team when you look at, okay, who's the second banana on this team? You know, it's a little bit lower than for most great teams. Nate Duncan joining Chris Block and Adam Abdallah here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. You referenced the money and spending double down around Giannis. Eric Bledsoe got $70 million on his extension. Are they going to be able to re-sign Melkin Brogdon, who's going to be a free agent this summer? Although restricted, if someone puts out a good offer, are, are they? is another team going to be able to pry Brogdon off of the Bucks? Yeah, it depends how good we're talking about, right? I, I would suspect that his range will be in, you know, kind of the 12 to $16 million pre over four years. Uh, we can look at this another way. If you take none of their free agents, uh, the amount of space that they have below the luxury tax is about $53 million. And so can you fit Middleton, Brogdon, and then Brooke Lopez, the most they can pay him is the $9.2 million mid-level exception. Can you fit all of those guys in below the tax? Is the ownership willing to pay the tax? There's reporting that they could do that if uh, they make it to the NBA Finals. Maybe if they fall short, ownership is not willing to do that. Yes, uh, Tim Bontemps had that. So uh, I think a lot of it depends on how much does Middleton come back for. Is, is, can they get him for slightly below the max? Is Lopez going to stick around or not? Those situations will be resolved before Brogdon can get a restricted free agent offer on July 6th. And then it'll just be a question of whether they want to pay the tax or not to match it. Uh, but we could see an enterprising team go after him to be sure because there are some point guard needy teams out there. Kevin Durant said today that he's always heard that it's always the Warriors and Kevin Durant. And he made a case that says that they're not better without him. Should he leave at the end of the season uh, when the finals are over? Who? What can the Warriors add so it's the Warriors and blank next? <laughs> Yeah, they will be pretty limited as well. Even if KD leaves and Clay Thompson comes back uh, for the, the maximum that, that they can pay him, they're probably looking at the $5.7 mini mid-level exception. They can offer up to a three-year contract there. You guys know that amount of money, probably not enough to get a starter on the open market. You know, Everybody's looking for a 3-and-D small forward 
for example, and that's probably not going to be enough to get it done unless somebody just says, hey, I want to go and play in Golden State or they want to try and rehab their value like DeMarcus. Maybe there's a possibility they could bring DeMarcus back depending on his market. looks like he's probably going to be above the $6.4 million that they could offer him. But basically they've got that 5.7. They've got 6.4 they can pay DeMarcus if he takes it. Otherwise they can't use that on anyone else. And then you're down to minimum contract. So they are going to be in a little bit of an issue. They do have all their first-round picks going forward. Uh, maybe a trade could be made there to bring some guys in, but they don't really have salary matching either on the trades that, uh, because all of their guys are big parts of what they're doing and are under contract. So it is going to be difficult for them to reload at that three position, particularly in the regular season when Andre Godal is not going to play that many minutes. Nate Duncan talking basketball with Chris Black and Adam Abdallah here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. So game six in Toronto tomorrow night. Uh, do the Raptors have the ability to just close this hour? Do you think the Bucks are going to show up and, and steal this game and force a game seven? Yeah, it's obviously this has been a series that has defied prediction so far now uh, with the Raptors uh, winning three straight. It Really, it comes down to that half-court defense. I don't see... Milwaukee finding some panacea now for Kawhi guarding Giannis. That's worked really for three games in a row for Toronto. So if the Bucks can't get stops and get out in transition, I think Toronto could be in a position where they could win it comfortably. But the longer it goes, there's going to be a lot of pressure on Toronto too because if they don't close it out, here's a stat for you. In seven-game series since 1984, when teams win the first two like the Bucks did, then lose the next three, they actually are 8-7 and seven in the series, which is remarkable for teams that are down 3-2 because usually teams like that win about 13% of the series. So, And then each one of the teams that was up 3-2 and lost Game 6 in that situation went on to lose the series. None of them won the ensuing Game 7. So this game really, historically at least, is the series. That's a really good stat. That is surprising. You're right, Nate. Uh, last thing before we let you go, uh, the Chicago Bulls, obviously not in the playoffs, and it seems like they're kind of stuck. Obviously, they get the seventh pick in the draft lottery, and and do you see them doing anything outside of just sticking with the seventh pick, picking the best player available, and going forward with the summer? Or do you see something that the Bulls could do this offseason to really upgrade the roster? Well, I think they could do something to really upgrade the roster. They've got about $17 million in space when you factor in their draft picks and some cap holds for their restricted free agents. They could maybe get up to about 20. They might have a little wiggle room if they wanted to try to stretch Cristiano Felicio or move him, although trading him would take some assets. So, you know, you've got enough money to maybe go after a starting point guard. And with some of the injuries that they had, obviously Robin Lopez is a free agent, so they'll need some more reinforcements in the front court as well coming off the bench, but you can find those pretty easily, I think. They really need a starting point guard. Chris Dunn has looked like more of a backup in his career, especially offensively. They need someone desperately who can shoot the ball at that position. After Boylan took over, they really did not take enough three-pointers. But there are a pretty good number of point guards who are available on the market, so they're not going to be have enough money for the Kemba Walkers and Kyrie Irvings of the world. But I think they can get someone... You know, maybe Goran Dragic, if he becomes a free agent. George Hill could be a, a caretaker as they try and give Dunn one more season to grow it into the role. Uh, so there are a few options out there at the point guard position. Uh, Terry Rozier as a restricted free agent might be someone they could look at as well because their point guards were so bad last year. If they just get a point guard, maybe they can ascend back to competence 
next year just because you're upgrading so much at that position just to get a garden variety starting point guard. Nate, we appreciate the time. Thanks for joining us tonight. All right, my pleasure, guys. Thanks. That's Nate Duncan. You can listen to him on the Dunked On podcast on iTunes. You can also follow him. He's a great follow in NBA Twitter. His uh, Twitter handle is at, at NateDuncanNBA. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I agree with him. If you upgrade the point guard position, you all of a sudden just turn this team into a pretty decent team, opposed to a lottery team that we saw the Bulls uh, that they were last season. Point guard position is very vital in this whole rebuild for John Paxson and Gar Foreman and the Chicago Bulls. Uh, Anthony Davis, should the Bulls go after him? A high-profile NBA writer suggested that today with Cap. We'll hear that coming up next. Chris Black and Adam Abdallah on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Chris Black and Adam Abdallah singing for Jonathan Hood tonight under the hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. You can follow us on Twitter at Adam A. Abdallah and at Chris Black. Sunday morning, you can hear our show 8 to 10 a.m. We will be here this Sunday morning at 8 o'clock. And then also Monday, Memorial Day, Black and Abdallah sitting in for David Kaplan, Cap and Company from 9 to noon. So doubler back to back Sunday, Monday. You ready, Abdallah? Oh, I'm ready. Born ready. All right, before we get out of here, thank you to Sean Davis for producing the show, to Nate Duncan for coming on, and Brian D. from ESPN Milwaukee. If you missed those interviews, you can hear those on the ESPN podcast page and on the ESPN app. Earlier today on Cap and Company, Frank Isola from The Athletic, he was on the show, and he was talking with Cap about the Bulls and limited cap space that the Bulls have this offseason, and if there's anything the Bulls can do this offseason to improve the team. This is what Frank Isola had to say. Well, well, could they do this, though? I mean, Anthony Davis is still relatively young. He's a Chicago guy. Would they try to make a run at him? They have some assets that they could certainly trade. I mean, I think it's something worth considering. I think some teams, and I would be a little worried about Anthony Davis's availability because he does seem to get hurt a lot, but he's still a young guy. And I don't know. I would think that Chicago would have some chance to get him. I would think if Anthony Davis were to end up on the Bulls, I would think he'd want to stay there long term. Hmm. Frank Isola this morning, he is a big-time NBA reporter. Uh, he hosted PTI today with uh, Michael Wilbon, and my favorite part is Wilbon called uh, something. What did he call it? He called something junk as they went to break. It was fantastic. Let me fantastic. tell you, me tell you Frank Isola's take. Uh, Let me tell you about Frank Isola's take. Yeah. Get that junk out of here. Yeah, no, it was uh, it was something that Wilbon had okay. nothing. He wanted nothing to do with it. He called it junk. It was my favorite. Uh, so Frank Isola saying the Bulls should go after Anthony Davis and try and make a trade to happen this offseason to kind of set the Look, franchise man. in the right direction where you have a star player and then you figure it out after that. It's basically what Toronto is doing with Kawhi, mm-hmm. and it's what we saw Oklahoma City do with Paul George. Look, you don't have enough money to get a superstar, right? So my philosophy is go out, why not? Kick the tires, see if they have if you have enough to trade for him, trade for him. And then I've, everything I've heard, and I know everything you've heard, is that he won't stay in Chicago because he likes to keep his family and his people separate from his business. That's what I've heard. I don't know if that changes. If he comes here for a year, he falls in love with the city again, decides, you know, it's different now. I'll stay here. 
I don't know. It's worth a shot because right now, let's say the Knicks add Durant and Kyrie. Let's say, you know, the, let's say Ka- uh, Kawhi stays in Toronto for some reason. The Bucks are still good. You're still going to have to reckon with all those forces. Yeah, the Bulls may be a playoff team next year. They may be a seven seed next year. But guess what? You're still a middle-of-the-road team that's going to get bounced in the first round. So take a risk and do something like it, that. It's all about risk-reward. What yeah. you're building here, will it ever get? To that level no. where you have a player. And you mentioned all the players who can move this offseason. It may be the most craziest offseason for NBA oh, free agents wait. we've ever seen. And the Bulls, for the most part, sounds like they're going to sit out. If you could land a star player with what you have here and you don't have to give up everything to get them. Kyrie leaves. Kawhi leaves. No one joins the Knicks. All of a sudden, the Eastern Conference looks pretty, pretty easy, right? Mm-hmm. You got Giannis. You got the 76ers. And what? Risk-reward is something to think about. Black and Abdallah will be back on Sunday morning at 8. Chris Black and Adam Abdallah on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app.